HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's April 14th, 2015. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in New York City in the East Village. And we've got a special show today. We're talking about beer and chocolate. We've got some great guests, including Daniel Sklar from Fine and Raw, James Ty, who's studying for his Master Cicerone, Tess Rose Lampert, our export pairing expert, <laughs> and Rich Castagna from... Uh, Bridge and Tunnel uh, Brewery out in Queens. So Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have any questions for our guests, Maggie's live at, on Twitter at beer underscore sessions. So, and you can also follow us on Twitter. So this is a great show. We've been talking about different food and beer pairings this winter. We did, we did a beer and cheese show. Next week we've got a special uh, New York City hot sauce preview where we'll be uh, tasting Lagunitas beers with some hot sauces. So... Uh, Daniel Sklar is one of the great uh, food stories out here in, in Bushwick, in Brooklyn, and it seems like a natural fit for a beer show. So, Daniel, we, we met at the uh, a Rockaway, uh, Be- Rockaway Beach Beer Event in 2012, right before Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, that's right. We would sit out and had coffee while we uh, mm-hmm. did an event with uh, 20 brewers out there. And uh, So what did it take you to open a, a chocolate factory out here in Bushwick? Uh, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh maybe uh some bicycle accidents included in that uh and um uh, a, a lot of good friends a, a lot of good friends and a lot of support uh and um and and some crazy dreams well i'm a, I'm a big fan of, of beer and chocolate you know sometimes we do tastings with with beer or cheese chocolate bacon kind of these basic food i call them basic food groups but <laughs> you know tess and james you guys have done a lot of work with 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 pairings and tastings i mean what is it about chocolate that goes so well with beer well, so I work a lot with beer, wine, and spirits, and I will say that the easiest to pair with chocolate by far is beer. And I think the range of flavors and the carbonation really lend themselves to all pairings, and the pairing with chocolate is particularly special. 
Yeah, I think chocolate is just such an amazing food. I mean, there's just so many different components in it that you're picking up. You know, there's a little bit of butter, uh, you know, so maybe a little bit of sherry, some vinegar in there as well. Um, and obviously, you know, all the all the other things that you associate with chocolate, you know, your caramels and, you know, the burnt sugar and the likes. There's, a, there's definitely a range of, of flavors in your chocolate, Daniel. Oh, yeah. Um, so w- what is your, your, like, building block of your chocolate? Because I know you start with beans, but your, your, yeah. your chocolate is different than any other chocolate I've had in New York City. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would say that we have a very unique, um, innovative way of making chocolate. Uh, like you said, I start with beans, so I'll go down to uh, Central America and go to the jungles and, and get beans. And then um, uh, from there, it's uh, a so copious amount of experimentation, which which just kind of means I get to eat a lot more chocolate. Um, and um, I, I think uh, it's, um, it's, I mean, for, for me, it's uh, something that uh, I, I can see the flavors that, I want to make and that I want to get out of a, an ingredient, and um, uh, I obsess about them. Um, so th- th- there's that, just like a, a very re- relentless um, idea of trying to extract a flavor from a, from a cocoa bean. I know some people that swear by your chocolate; they won't try anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all natural. Do you have yeah. dairy in it? No. So we do. Um, w- you know, uh, we don't use any. We use alternative sugars. So I use a uh, palm sugar, which I think works very well in chocolate because it's got a, a depth of character to it that other, um, you know, just plain cane sugar doesn't have. So the the palm sugar is going to caramelize the the chocolate flavors just slightly. So that so that kind of gives it pronounces a lot a lot of the um, the cacao that the bitterness etc cetera, etc cetera, that you'll find in in the chocolate um, and then um, I, I think one of uh, my strengths is balancing out um, bitterness because uh, that's that's really where the hidden gems are as soon as you can unlock something that that is dark. And um, bring it onto a palate where where you can where you can taste all the flavors, you know, regardless of what those are: currant, cherry, raspberry, oak, wood, roadkill, glove, leather, barnyard. I mean, you really, there's more complexity in um, in cacao than uh, in terms of flavor than there is in wine. Uh, the the thing though is that it's it's really not it's not seen that way because um, it's it's marketed as, as candy. Um, so classically people just, just take in candy as opposed to looking for flavors. You know, as soon as you pair it up with things like beer, um, then, then it becomes so much more apparent like, Oh, okay. You have these chocolate with these flavor profiles, whatever it may be. And then you pair it up with a beer, which you're taking a little bit more time. And then, um, there's a catalytic uh, reaction of the flavors, and something else appears, and then it's then you're like, oh, okay, this is great. Yeah, let's let's taste some of your chocolates, and and to go with your chocolates, uh, we have a you're an art artisan. We have an artisan beer maker, Rich Castagna from uh, Bridge and Tunnel out in Queens. Um, how are you, Rich? Good, Jimmy. So you, you, I think if you're you're an artisan beer maker, and, and there's a lot of new real specialty breweries in New York City. Um, What's your take on chocolate and beer and cheese pairings? Uh, on beer and chocolate? I, <laughs> I think it's interesting. Um, I thought when you had mentioned the show, I'd brought this vanilla porter, and it was, was – during New York City Beer Week, it was paired with a uh, 
a choc- a chocolate um, recipe for uh, cupcakes, and it rocked. You know, and it was, you know, it was it was great. I mean, I like I like the idea of pairing, you know, beers with desserts without a doubt. And for beer news, are, are you expanding? Are you opening your new a brewery? Yeah, uh, I finally found a space. It's in Ridgewood, um, Ridgewood, Queens. Uh, it's off of Wyckoff Avenue and Decatur, um, fifteen thirty-five Decatur Street. I've been in the space. It's been a handful of months now, and I'm in the in the uh, build-out stage now. So. Yeah, it's kind of getting uh, down and dirty. Congratulations, man. Yeah. So, Rich, that means you're going to have to start staffing, too, right? It's not It's not just going to be you anymore, right? That's that's on my mind, I'm going to say, every morning when I wake up. You know, Rich is so, a superman. How, how, am I gonna, how am I going to do this? You know, like, yeah. how, how am I going to... Because I've gotten so used to doing it on my own that I've become kind of, like, fixed on this approach of... Just leave me alone and let me do it. Yeah. And I know it's not the right approach, and I have to figure out how to expand it and create like a family. You know, it's it's a it's a new thing for me. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. yeah. Well, this I'll say this vanilla purge is really good, and I can't wait to try it with this chocolate. Cool. So thank you. Man. I actually think it's going to pair very well with this chocolate. This is the um, uh, coconut chunky, uh, which I mean, this is a, this is an outstanding porter. Uh, great Tessa job. Smile. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yes, I love this chocolate. I'll say that when I first tried your chocolate, Daniel, a few years ago, it literally changed my life. When I've tried other raw chocolates and virgin chocolates and the artisanal chocolates, and this is still my favorite. There is a definite way that you balance the flavors and the texture, and it's it's amazing. Cool, thanks. Yeah. Well, James, you're studying for the, the Master Cicerone exam. Yep. It's coming up in May. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to put you in situations where you have to <laughs> taste food and beer and talk about it right so what would you say about this this combination i think it works out really well and you know when you're talking about pairings the the fun part the the magic really happens when you get something that's different you know that comes out of the two um I, for whatever reason i get a little bit of like that lacto a little bit of that sourness which kind of like really gives it a little bit of complexity to, to both of these parts and I, I think it's a fine pairing absolutely what do you think rich um i'm definitely catching the the coconut and um I gotta say, it's funny. My my wife, I had I had offered to her. I said because she loves chocolate. I said maybe you'd like to come. And turns out she couldn't. But I'm gonna say right now, you're missing out. Tessa's licking her fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tess, what what kind of uh, pairings do you do? I mean, you work at Ast- Astra Center, and you, you're doing some other innovative programming. Yeah. So. Um, one of the things that I do is write and judge for a company called the Ultimate Beverage Challenge, um, and that's a competition, and it gives me access to a lot of different spirits, and I like to play with pairings with cheese and chocolate. I love chocolate, so I try and pair it with everything, and I mentioned earlier that beer is the best pairing in my experience. It's the easiest. The next next best, I think, is spirits, um, and my favorite to pair with chocolate is mezcal, Um, They both have a stimulating effect. They both come from relatively similar parts of the world and the complexities of mezcal, um, which is the grandmother of tequila for those who are unfamiliar, really pair nicely. And it's also the ultimate aphrodisiac. Um, If you have a date and you do a chocolate and mezcal pairing, you guys are going to be feeling really, really good. Is that why you have your shop, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, up the frisky factor. (laughs) (laughs) The chocolate is just a front. (laughs) It's a cool place. So it's right around the corner from our, our radio network. 
What's the address of your shop? It's 288 Siegel Street. And it's a great place. You walk in, it, 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 you can see chocolate making. and mm. you, It's from bean to, you call it bean to bar? Bean to bar, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah it's, all, it's all open plan. Like I said, the, the production space is, uh, there's glass between you and the production space, so you, you see it. The, the Hessian bags of beans are just sitting out there and... Um, generally, it's like it's got that nice hum of a, a factory, but it's also got that uh, Bushwick vibe to it as well. I'm curious, how long does it take to make to go from bean to actual bar? Like, how long is that process? It, it takes us about three to four days. Okay. Oh, uh, well, actually, make that um, uh, more. Make that uh, maybe like four, four to five days. I'd say. Okay. Yeah, because it can sit in one machine for. For three days alone, mm-hmm. for certain beans, if they uh, if they need to develop more in a in a in their conching phase, which really takes the the longest time, where it's where it's aerating and it's um, the the flavors are rounding out and the edges are smoothing and right. um, you know that that can take three days in the in the style that we do it. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, the bigger operations, I mean, they'll do uh, t- two tons an hour. Wow. You know, and that, but that's totally different machinery, and they're really they're just ext- like forcing the flavor out. We 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 take our you're time. coaxing it out, right? Yeah, you're letting it. Take yeah. It's, def- it's definitely right. food. I mean, you're right. It's not really just candy. It's it's a it's a food product. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, and I think that's one of the interesting things about uh, coming to the factory and seeing the beans, because most people have never seen cocoa beans, and as soon as you see them. Um, you, you realize that cocoa beans aren't that far from any other beans, black beans. I, I mean, I used to work at the Brooklyn Flea when I first started, and I'd have a bunch of beans on the table, and people would pass and go, oh, those are really weird-looking almonds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so when, you see, when you see the cocoa beans, you kind of, you connect, you connect chocolate to food. You're like, oh, this is actually a food, or a food group in our case. I think so, yeah. James. If if we were doing a, a pairing right now, maybe part of your Cicerone exam. Yeah. What what would some beers that you would recommend to pair with this chocolate? Um, I well, with this chocolate, it's kind of tricky. Um, obviously with the coconut, I'm thinking there. That's where I'd start, and I try to uh, make a bridge with that. You know, when we think coconut, we think lactose, and that usually comes from a lot of you know barrel aging beers. Um, but then you have to play off the intensity, and you know those beers are going to be really big, and they might overwhelm this chocolate. I always like going with the porter, really, and I think Rich is like, I guess he was you know really prescient in in what he knew to bring because you know I, I I would go with the porter with this particular chocolate. Yeah, yeah, this worked out perfect. Yeah, 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 man, it's excellent, excellent chocolate. Yeah, Excellent like I was, beer. Too. I was eating yeah. it and literally, like, with my eyes closed, focusing it's, on it. It's fantastic. Thanks. Thank mm-hmm. I mean, we're, uh, this it just the vanilla porter. There's the perfect pitch on the sweetness to balance out out the the chocolate. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I mean, we, we planned this for months, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I need some more of the vanilla porter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So beer and chocolate. So I mean, what else, James? You're, you're going for a master cicerone. Yep. It's tested in a few weeks. Mm, yeah. What What are some of the other areas that you get quizzed on? Um, so I usually like to, I refer to them as pillars. And so you think about five pillars. One of them is keeping and serving. Um, obviously, we're here talking about beer and food pairing. Um, there's also beer styles, commercial examples uh, within that, and then the brewing process as well as raw materials. So those are the five really big guys. You know, so the pillars of knowledge. The pillars of Master Cicerone knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's, it's really hard to get, isn't it? I mean, last year, what, only two people got it? And that's very rare. Um, you know, usually 
when when you're looking at just the track record of of the candidates that are taken, it's it's an exam that has a pass rate of about six percent right now. So you know, nine in the nine in the world. And I know I know uh, Tess, you've also been uh, through some sommelier programs and wine programs. Yeah, I've done a number of different certification programs, which I think are really valuable. Um, my good friend and roommate, Zach Mack of ABC Beer Co. in the East Village, is also studying for Cicerone. So I've done some of the some of the prep work with him. Um, my favorite and most interesting one was when we tasted through the off flavors and the mistakes. Um, I think one of the major problems That's no fun. in the industry now, it's not fun, <laughs> but one of the major problems is people, uh, you know, your beverage directors and sommeliers, if they don't know what they're looking for and they give you a flawed beverage, it's going to throw off the product, the whole pairing, and it's not fair to the product uh, that's flawed or the product that you're pairing it with. So um, I think the Cicerone is probably my favorite of the certification programs now, even more so than on the wine side, which I think has become a little bit diluted. Hmm. What, out of curiosity, what's your quote-unquote favorite off-flavor? I don't think I remember the exact names. Um, I know you remember the flavors, though. <laughs> yeah, there was one that was kind of banana-ish. Rotten horse banana. Yeah, and I, it, I tasted it a couple of times, and I was like, well, I could see how some people would like this. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because some of the flavors are, are subjective, more subjective than others. Some of them are like, this is gross. Nobody wants this. And others, just like in wine, you know, Britannomyces, some people like that. A, a lot of French people like that. Whereas in other countries, if your wine has Britannomyces, it's 100% bad. Right, right. Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey. You're listening to Write It Down by The Landing. In 1996, Elmife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Clay Gordon of thechocolatelife.com, and you're listening to heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, did you know that Heritage Radio Network is, uh, has a Kickstarter out there because we're raising funds to uh, create a new website? We've, we've kind of outgrown what we've done. I mean, Beer Sessions Radio alone has almost 300 episodes, so uh, the heritageradionetwork.org is a place to check it out. There's a Kickstarter, and uh, I just uh, joined up myself, so it's pretty cool. But um, hey, guys, we're talking about beer and chocolate pairings, and uh, 
You guys left it off talking about off flavors when, when you're studying for these these exams like right. Cicerones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rich Castagna, you know, one of our favorite New York City brewers, you know, I've never had an off flavor from your beer. But when, when, you, when you taste beer, what off flavors are you looking for? Or what are things that you, you don't want to have in your beer? Well, for, for my, uh, you know, for the, for the beers that, I, that I've done, I'm kind of a fan of uh, Ringwood Ale yeast. And uh, Ringwood Ale uh, yeast, it's kind of known for diacetyl. And you really have to... Gets a bad rap sometimes. Yeah, yeast. I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah, it does. A lot of people don't like it, and you really have to give it time to pull its own diacetyl back into itself. And I've had a f- I've had a handful of experiences where the like the diacetyl level was like scaring the hell out of me that it wasn't going to go away, and then like right at the you know the last hour, it scrubbed itself out. And um, so, like, I've had – I have this kind of similar kind of mild stress whenever I brew with Ringwood Ale yeast, but it always turns out okay, but you really have to let it do its thing. And, you know, the diacetyl thing, when it comes on, it's oh, – to me, it's it hits me like a heartbreak. Yeah. You know, like, it's ruined, and then all of a sudden it just kind of goes away, you know. As you develop your beers, how did you settle on certain yeasts that you wanted to work um, with? Yeah, I've been brewing for – you know, over a decade, so it's it's really just the years of just trying stuff out. You know, um, you know, I go for uh, cleaner yeasts. You know, um, American ale yeast comes in a lot of styles. You know, um, but it's just really like the st- the the recipes that I've developed and the yeast that I kind of settled on. Um, I think Ringwood ale was Ringwood ale yeast was just kind of a mis- not a mistake, but you know, one of those experiments. That I just got sold on, you know, because I never really know how far it's going to go, and you know, it's a little tricky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of funny because di- again, as you were saying, diacetyl. A lot of people just kind of, you know, you know, frown on, frown upon that. Um, but in in certain styles, it's really acceptable and smaller. What's the flavor of diacetyl? So diacetyl, usually, when you think of movie theater popcorn, butter, that's what you get, right? Well, now we get something different than, than butter. We get more chocolate. Daniel, what's this next chocolate we're trying? Um, so and Richie, you got another beer. Let's let's try the next beer with this. Uh, this one is um, uh, hazelnut, and um, I use a hazelnut from uh, Portland, Oregon, which is the best place to get hazelnuts outside of uh, Italy. And um, we'll we'll uh, make a hazelnut butter with the, the hazelnuts, and then um, put that in with the liquor, the chocolate liquor that is. And um, uh, and then we'll we'll sprinkle some hazelnuts on top. So it's actually um, it actually uh, it's it's not really a dark chocolate. It kind of ends up being sort of milky because of the uh, because of the hazelnuts. So the yeah. nuts act like a dairy. Yeah, yeah. And when I was in a couple of weeks ago, you tasted me on your a Nutella type product you're making. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That so, was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Sounds shit, amazing. Um, it's it's crazy. Um, that's a, I call it a finitella, uh, cheekily, um, until I get sued. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's been a really fun product to make. The, the first batch, I actually, um, uh, I got some, uh, raw cream from, uh, this Amish farm in Pennsylvania and I was, I was mad keen to, to get at the recipe and I didn't have, um, the plunger for my, 
for my uh, blender. So I, I was just using a spatula and I, and I blended up some plastic into the into the recipe. But but um, you know, I still picked around it, and that, and that's when I knew I'm like, okay, this this is definitely a project I want to pursue. <laughs> yeah. So James, if we're getting into a, a chocolate with hazelnut, yeah, you know, how do nuts play into uh, f- food and beer pairings? Well, it's, I mean, nuts... I learned of, from this, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nuts kind of, you know, they have, like, that earthy kind of vibe to it. It's, like, got these certain aromas, these flavors. Um, I, you know, it, it, I keep on going back to barrel-aged beers, um, you know, a lot of roasts, too, because you get these components called furfurals, and you're going to get, like, a lot of maybe grilled almonds, um, you know, maybe a little bit of soy in it, and, and that's going to really kind of pair up nicely with a lot of uh, the nuts are at, that are out there. Um, with this particular beer and food, uh, beer and chocolate pairing, um, I, I get a little bit more like it, it really brings out the roast, you know. Um, and I think it really just kind of balances out, you know, what's going on with both of the elements. And I like oh, the, it. this um, this particular bar is uh, the cacao is half half raw and half roasted. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, so it's a blend of of those two styles of uh, right. cacao making. Okay, so that making. that's probably what it's pulling out, right, mm. with the beer. Yeah, and, and talk also. about working with nuts. Richie, when I first met you, you had a, a brown ale that you made with hazelnuts. And how did you make that? Because it seems like nuts must be really hard. And Mike from Barry just walked into, so we're going to talk about putting nuts in your beer. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, they go into uh, the boil uh, right at the end, and then I, I put them in uh, uh, secondary for secondary fermentation. Um, it adds some, you know, but it's also part. It's a lot of that that beer. A lot of it, a lot of that flavor profile comes from the yeast. You know, it's a combination of things. You know, I shoot for a very malty beer. Um, the hazelnut is part of it; it definitely contributes, but it, it's also the base of the beer at, itself. I'm actually going to be kegging another batch at the end of this week. It's too bad I, I didn't know that the show. I would have hustled it out and brought it down. Well, we're happy. We're happy that you're here. And then, so Mike at Barrier Brewing, you guys have some new beers. We'll talk about that later, but. Have you guys ever tried to make a beer with nuts? Uh, no. Have you, have you noticed? Cocoa, yes, but not nuts. You've made cocoa beers. Yes, we do one for uh, our friends at Nunu Brew in Brooklyn. So do you actually put – tell us what you put in, in the beer. Um, I, I actually don't know. I have to get the actual recipe. I can text the brewmaster, Evan Klein, right now. He's probably going to scold me for not knowing. But uh, I'll tell you that in about two minutes. <laughs> That's great. And, then, and what, about, what about cocoa versus chocolate malts? Talking about you know in beers. Some beers are called like a chocolate stout. But they're often not made with chocolate at all. Right. So, James, and, and there's like Young's chocolate stout. It's usually the malts. Yeah, right? yeah. It's I mean, it's it's a chemical reaction. It's, it's a Maillard reaction. So, and the same thing happens with chocolate. Um, in the process, you're talking about amino acids and sugars when they come together in the presence of heat, they'll produce all these different aromas. Um, and you know, when you think think about chocolate, that's kind of where you where you're coming from. So. Rich, would you make a beer with chocolate in it, a cocoa I, of some sort? I haven't yet, but I would. I would try it without a doubt. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pretty experimental, so I would. I would do it. Um, maybe once the build out is done, I'm going to get back to. Uh, you know, next fall I'll get back to more experimental stuff. But yeah, without a doubt. But like cocoa is like a huge thing. I mean, I've, I've there's a liquor out there that's making. I think it's called Soledad or something. They're making. They're making a liquor from the pod. It's called Solbeso. Solbeso, thank you. Uh-huh. What, that's the company's name? Yeah, and that's the name of the spirit. And it's I think that's actually made from the flesh of the cacao fruit. 
which you know more about, Daniel, than I do, because I've never actually seen it or gotten to taste it. And they're, they're making a liquor? They're making a spirit out a, of a it. A spirit. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. All I right. think it's around 30% um, or maybe even 40 so it's it's a spirit. We okay. at Ultimate Beverage treat it as a liqueur. Yeah. And it doesn't really have a lot of chocolate flavor, what we yeah. what most people associate with that roasted bean chocolate flavor. Right. Uh, but it is, it's interesting. I have had some uh, liquors. Um, I'm, I think they were made in the same style, and they don't they don't have a um, they don't have a chocolate flavor to them. And actually, the history of chocolate. There's a lot of people who think that the original uses of chocolate were were for a fermented beverage, uh, you know, uh, which to me sounds like an alcoholic chocolate beer. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. But they, so, tell us about the whole chocolate. We might as well get into chocolate. So oh, yeah, it's, sure. it's it's a pod, and yeah. Okay, what do you, so what do, you um, do with it? So you, so you fly down to the jungle. Uh, you rent a little car, and you uh, drive um, into the jungle. Uh, you try not to drive into the the craters, and um, stay at the hacienda. Wake up at five a.m. Jump on a donkey. Go an hour into the into uh, the jungle. And then you take your machete, chop down the pods. And then you, you slice open the pods and you scoop out um, this white flesh. And the white flesh actually tastes delicious. It's somewhere between a lychee and a papaya. Hmm. Um, then you'll, you'll, you'll take all of that um, and uh, you'll, you'll put it in sacks, back on the donkey, uh, hour back to the haciendas. And then you, you take those and you ferment them. It's a wild fermentation uh, in the jungle for three to five days. And then once that fermentation has happened, you, you, you lay it out on the ground and dry them out. And um, then those beans get put into bags and shipped out to people like me. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. 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 You know, I like the, uh, the idea of, I have a few um, uh, friends of mine who make beer. And when I tell them about the wild fermentation, they, they get a little bit scared. Um, they don't get excited? No, no. It sounds like what Mary Isaac's doing, speed brewing. It sounds like a lot of home brewers would like to get... I bet you'd like to make some chocolate beans, Richie. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. On the wild fermentation, last Friday, I did a batch with... Um, it was a collaboration with Big Alice. And they came into my space, and we brewed a Saison recipe. And we dropped... Um, we had four uh, 15-gallon fermenters, and we dropped about 11 gallons each into each fermenter and then we scattered them around queens with the tops open for 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> so queens yeah, East. I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, the are you, what are you doing are you making something for queens beer week yeah it's gonna be for queens beer week now, awesome. when's that that's coming up soon it's com- yeah it's um may may 9th uh to the 17th i believe and uh it's gonna be a whole bunch of events um including something in ridgewood there's gonna be a ridgewood pub crawl hey yeah First time Ridgewood gets a spot, you know. Are you going to be cool. leading that tour? Um, my hands are kind of full right now, you know, with the build out. Yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna, I'll be part of it. But originally, we were talking about possibly having my space as a meeting meeting spot. Sure. But like as a warm up before everybody starts the the tour. Right. But it's there's literally a, a 50 foot trench and down the floor and now the the bathroom's going to be coming down this friday and yeah. i just like are i just are you I building like, out your brewery too rich oh yeah i know you're hands-on i know, I know you, let's go back to basics you have your licensed garage brewery behind your house in yeah. uh, in queens yeah and you built that out you worked on the system for a long time yeah so you, you're putting together the system for the new brewery 
Well, yeah, it's all. It's most of it is equipment that's not designed for brewing, and so I'm I'm piecing all the equipment together itself. And then I was lucky to, I was kind of going back and forth with people that were, you know, that I needed to help me build it. Like um, I had it. I went through a couple of architects that wanted to basically take the job over, and every time I told them, look. I don't really want to know your ideas. I have my own, and I want to do as much work as I can. The next, like, within a couple of days, they were, they'd send me an email saying, um, you know, this job isn't sexy enough for me, and I'm not, I'm not interested, you know? Mm-hmm. And I finally found a guy that is basically willing to do all the paperwork and allow me to do what I want. And then I found a, uh, a guy in the neighborhood who's he's a, a boiler installer, expert, plumber, as well as a general contractor. And he totally took interest in the fact that a brewery is going in, in the neighborhood. And so he set it up that he said, basically, anything that you want to do that's not going to jeopardize my licensing, you can do it. So, so far, he's lent me a crazy jackhammer, and I've jackhammered, you know, 50 <laughs> feet of two layers of concrete. Um, I, me and a buddy, we, we put up the boiler room ourselves. We're going to be putting up the bathroom um, I've, I've already made a few farmhouse tables. So, like, th- their their attitude, and I wanted to find guys like this. Their attitude is, look, so long as you're not going to get us in trouble, you can do all the work yourself. Right. And so I've been, I mean, it's been, you know, yes. I didn't mean to get on that. I, no, I was but you're, re- the, you're yeah. the ultimate craftsman for me. You're, you're, you're building your brewery. You're, you're making the beer. And, Daniel, I, we're going to take a break, but you we know, come back. It's funny. On that note, I was going to ask you if you had ever done that wild fermentation in the jungle. When you had when you had mentioned that, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know? let's hold on to that one. We'll be back in a few minutes okay. on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hmm. You're listening to Cool Boy by Sleepies. Amy Mills from 17th Street Barbecue in Southern Illinois, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Again, check us out, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. There's a Kickstarter up uh, to help fund our, our, new, uh, our new website. And also, big shout-out, I know some of you have been following the East Village gas explosion and fire. Jimmy's number 43, Standings Burp Castles, we all opened on Friday night. And there's a lot going on, including this Saturday. If you like sour beers, it's our annual April Sours event. We have over 30 sours from Belgium, Germany, Italy, and and, uh, New York at Jimmy's number 43. And Friday night, Transmitter uh, Brewery in Long Island City is coming in with a special batch of slightly sour pale ale. That's going to be pretty great. So Jimmy's number 43 is back, and thanks for our listeners. Thanks for supporting us. So, so Rich, you're you're building out your your new brewery just like you did your first one. But what what was your question for for Daniel? Well, his description of... Climbing on the back of a donkey and going out and scooping out the cacao and that and letting it ferment 
you know, in the wild fermentation, then, you know, have you ever done that? That's pretty wild. If you, I just think it's pretty wild in general. Yeah, um, I, you know, I've, I've worked on a couple of the farms, so I've been through the whole process and I've, and I've done that um, w- with the farms in collaboration with some non-profits and just helping out. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's real fun. It, get, it gets funky. I mean, the, their fermentation chambers, these these big houses, they, they, they smell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. How do you guys slake your thirst when you're out there? Good question, James. Oh, you know, generally it's there's one beer in whatever country it is. So it is beer. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Beer is good. And Mike from Barry, so you got – how did you guys make your yeah, cocoa so beer? We use the cocoa nibs from New New Brew, and we add it in the cold side, and we cold condition it for five days. So a lot of, a lot of home brewers might add it the end of boil. Obviously, you boil off so a lot just of what nibs. you're trying to extract. Daniel, what, what are the nibs? Uh, when you take the cocoa beans and you, you crush them, um, th- those are nibs. All right, nice. We all, that, look, we all look nibs. Rich, have you, you never used cocoa nibs in a beer yet? Not yet. Not yet. We're now moving to spirits. So, Tess, you've also been an educator, and now you're educating people about mezcal, which sounds like a fun job. Yeah, it is really fun. Mezcal is amazing, and it, it's kind of taken over my life to some extent, and I'm certainly not complaining about that. Um, when you taste mezcal, you're going to want to take a sip, and then you'll actually get most of the flavor when you exhale after you take the sip. So you want to have a sip. You don't want to chase it with anything. And then when you exhale, the flavors really bloom. And there's so many reasons it goes well with chocolate. One of the reasons is you often find really chocolatey and roasted, always roasted flavors in the mezcal itself, which complements the chocolate and allows the other flavors, those more fruity um, flavors of the chocolate to come out and play. What's well, crazy? We went from pairing chocolate and beer to, to chocolate and spirits. And Daniel, you, you got excited when we mentioned spirits. Is, is it something you like to pair with chocolate? Oh yeah, you know, um, I've I've worked with a bunch of uh, whiskey people. Uh, the the latest of which I did a collaboration with Jura, and um, uh, I suppose it's nostalgia because I just love sitting down at a business meeting and someone whips out a bottle of uh, whiskey and I take out a bunch of chocolate and usually by the end of it. Um, uh, I'm slurring more than than I'd like to admit to, and uh, and, and then some some uh, event or product happens, and it's it's uh, there's magic in in those two, you know. And plus, we go back to um, the the whole aphrodisiac effect, which I think we should have an entire show. Is that what you said, to. Tess? You said mezcal and chocolates. The both of them are aphrodisiacs, and when you put them together, it's an amazing combination. It's it's delicious. It really it perks you up, and it's definitely a strong aphrodisiac. They kind of enhance each other exponentially. Another similarity, just because we were mentioning it, is um, all mezcal is made uh, from a wild fermentation of the agave agave pulp and fibers. There's a lot of things you can do with chocolate once you're in, in that post-aphrodisiac state, but that's another <laughs> yeah, show. It oh, could yeah, be a whole yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe that's a YouTube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't do all that, but hey, yeah. you know, you can do a lot with chocolate, and uh, it makes people turned on, you know? And it, it, I think I think chocolate really does – it's great with beer. I, I think we're all in agreement with that. And James, any, anything else you want to say about your upcoming Master's Cicerone exam? Any category that you need work on? Uh, questions we should ask you. Uh, it's, questions. It's, it's always you never think you're prepared for it. You know, it's, it's there's always something you feel like you're missing. So, 
You know, what if any if, randomly if you see me on the street, you know, just you know, tap me on the shoulder and ask me some really esoteric question. I'd really appreciate that. You yeah. sound very prepared for it. If it's any consolation coming from someone who's living with someone who's also preparing for it. Well, you're too d- kind. D- no, you don't let him fool you with his big words, <laughs> and his, his 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 high level vernacular. It's it's all. Yeah. Full of front. Yeah, thanks. Well, we, we've, been, we've been working up into spirits now, and, and we ran into a special guest today, uh, Ned Wright. So you're the distiller. I know you as Gunpowder Rye, which is something we have at Jamie's number 43. W- tell us about your distillery. Come on. He just walked in the door, too. Everyone's just walking in the door tonight. we got Barrier here now. and everybody, <laughs> you know why, Do you know why they all came, Daniel? It's because they all wanted to try your chocolate. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I heard there were free samples, is there? Speaking of which, just if I can butt in here, the, with this chocolate, this is a, a smoked salt, and the way to taste it is you put the salt on your palate and you, and you let it melt so the salt opens up your palate and the smoke comes down over the open palate. That sounds like something that I would do in an aphrodisiac situation, you know? <laughs> Nobody knows where I'm going. I'm done. <laughs> I love chocolate, so. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> so tell us about your your whiskey, man. Come on, I just met you today on the street. Literally. Yeah, I know. This is <laughs> Came by on a sales fantastic. call. Fantastic, yeah. Got you on the radio. I know, show. wham. <laughs> so, uh, so we make uh, gunpowder rye up in Portland, Maine. Um, this is a uh, it's an older style sort of pre prohibition style of whiskey. This is uh, a Maryland style rye whiskey, which is uh, something you really don't see a lot of these days. Uh, best of my knowledge, we're one of maybe three uh, distillers in the country producing this style of of uh, whiskey, and it's a rye whiskey in that it's got you know more than fifty one percent rye, which is what defines rye whiskey in the U S. This particular style calls for a lower percentage than the Midwestern rye. So this one is a 70% rye. Pulls it down out of the peppery, spicy realm, that classic. Wait, go back. What's a Maryland whiskey and what's a Midwestern rye? Yeah, so so a lot of what we see for rye whiskey these days is more of a Midwestern variety and tend to be pretty high rye, that classic pipe, peppery, spicy rye whiskey. That would be you know your bullet your Templeton High West, things along those lines. Um, there'll also be uh, sort of certain categories that mm-hmm. will have um, some corn in there, so flavor-wise, kind of kissing cousins with bourbon. Uh, the old Maryland rye and Pennsylvania rye were just rye and barley, so this one's 70% rye, 30% barley. So by lowering the rye content, you bring it down into this herbal, floral realm for rye whiskey, and then it finishes with this nice barley slug that's uh, reminiscent of an Irish whiskey or uh, uh, scotch. It's nice. I appreciate you came over, Ned. Yeah. And, thanks for uh, having me. So it's, it kind of works. So, so Daniel, what, what, what's your take on it? You like the mezcal with your chocolates? Yeah, definitely. And what about rye whiskeys? Um, superb. Fabulous. Yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drooling to, to get at this gunpowder right now. Um, maybe the proof's in the, in the pudding, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and re- everybody, thanks for coming and joining me out here. It's a tough show because when we get into f- to certain food and beer pairings, we kind of go into unexplored territory. But we're trying to push ourselves because mm-hmm. we had we had a great show with Julia Hertz from the Brewers Association talking about food and beer. We had a show recently w- about about f- about f- uh, beer and ch- and cheese, and we're trying to push ourselves a little bit because we really feel like the next the next frontier for for craft beer. Uh, is is food and beer pairings, and, and I feel like that we haven't really done enough about it. And I know, Mike, at Bear, you've done a bunch of beer dinners. Yes. Um, wh- wh- what's your take on, on food and beer pairings in, in general? Uh, in general, what direction we have to go in? 
I think we're in the right direction. People at first would always have the distinction that wine was the ultimate uh, beverage to pair with food. Wine has about, and correct me if I'm wrong, five, 600 flavor profiles. Beer has over 2,000. So the possibilities are literally endless. Um, and I just think, and everybody here would agree that you can literally, any course of the meal, beer is a perfect uh, complement to whatever dish you're putting out. Great. Tess, anything else you want to say? Uh, thanks for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Um, it will be hard to beat this one next time that you asked me to come hang out with you because there was chocolate and mezcal here, and I, it really doesn't get better than that for me. You're pretty great. And James, uh, you know, again, your master cicerone's come up. Right. How is it tasting spirits with chocolate as opposed to beer and chocolate? Uh, it's a different experience, but uh, it's it's pretty awesome nonetheless. You know, I, I mean. I have some gunpowder rye actually in, in my in my home right now. One of the three ryes that I have, so it's really nicely just kind of have some of that. That keeps you too. going when you're studying, right? Indeed, yeah. Sometimes you need something yeah. just to cut, take the edge off. You know? And then Richie too. So you've tasted two spirits and your beers against these chocolates. Uh, as a brewer, what's your take on it? I'm all all about pairing. I think I think uh, a lot of some of my stuff is on the sweeter side, and I like I like uh, to pair it with sweeter items as well i'm glad we got the chance to do it with the porter I, i've yet to do it with just straight chocolate in the porter and it, and yeah it was great and we're gearing up for queen's beer week which is starting in, in may and so ned wright uh gunpowder riots new england distilling right so give us give us a quick thing what, what are some other pairings that you've done with your rye whiskey other foods or dinners chocolate is definitely a slam dunk i mean they uh whiskey and and chocolates just they they play very very well together um other things with, uh, you know, certainly desserts with uh, with a cream focus on them goes very well with uh, certain distilled spirits. Um, and it's it's a little bit trickier than with beer uh, when you're when you're pairing spirits because some of the flavors are very strong and intense, and the uh, the ethanol can be a bit stripping in there when you're when you're playing with like the fats and the food and things. But uh, I, I've I enjoy spirits with uh, grilled foods. Things along those lines, but but uh, desserts a slam dunk. That's all you do. That's <laughs> yeah. all you do is drink whiskey. I know. But you're, you're up. I in like Port- to fit in some rum and gin, and you know. <laughs> you're in Portland, Maine. You're also near our friends at Allagash. Yes. So you got a cool scene up there. Absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot going on in Maine in general, uh, and Portland specifically for uh, brewing, distilling, food. Uh, we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, I think ten brewers in Portland proper, three distilleries, uh, countless restaurants. So, well, I appreciate meeting you today. Thank and you for we're definitely me. in the future. We're going to do an all main uh, main show because there's a lot going on up there. And Daniel, it's kind of your show tonight because it's beer and chocolate. You're the chocolate. Yeah. Um, how about Summing it up for us, if, if you were going to go to a little party tonight and mm-hmm. bring your chocolate, yeah. what would be some of the, the drinks you'd want to serve with it? Oh, um, well, I think the ensemble at the, the show today has been pretty on point. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a really big fan of, of rye. I don't drink a lot of mezcal. Um, I have friends trying to influence me to, to do that, and I, and I think I'll be more susceptible to... To, to the suggestions uh, now on because this mezcal that we tasted today has been pretty phenomenal um, I gotta say the coffee 
cream ale that we just drank. Um, that's bridge and tunnel. Yeah, yeah, bridge and tunnel. That's gonna be my um, drink of the summer. Uh, that's that is the ultimate summer <laughs> Richie, pour, drink. Pour right us there. Also a last one of that, so we can close off on. Yeah, that. seriously. I mean, I'm like, what coffee cream ale in like a hot summer beach day? That that's. I just want to dump a bunch of ice cream on top there. And <laughs> well, I tell you, if you if all the fancies that Daniel's talking about are real, if you get up on the L train and Morgan Stop and Bushwick. Right there is Fine and Raw Shop. You can go in, you can sample, you can see see the work they're doing, and you yeah. can buy the bars, which are awesome. Yeah, yeah, and generally we've got a bunch of um, cool experiments going on. Uh, you know, when you came in, we were working on the Finitella. Uh, I'm working on this uh, other thing called uh, Coconut Dolce de Leche, which I, I want to call Unicorn Milk, but my crew won't let me. <laughs> um, it's 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 really also like a it's just a great product when people try that they freak out. I think I think your chocolate I could I could probably get psychedelic right. Oh yeah, it yeah. takes you somewhere. Oh definitely, um, that's right. Uh, it's legal in DC soon in New York. Cheers. And then uh, Mike, any, any last words on on the barrier? You know you've got you made coconut beer. What are yeah. some of the new beers you guys have? I got a few new beers that we're, that we're featuring right now. One is called Atypical IPA. Atypical IPA. A uh, little play in words. It's a 7.2% AB, uh, ABV uh, IPA. We feature uh, Sh- Chinook hops, uh, Simcoe, and a little bit of Sterling. And I like to call it a cross between our Money IPA, which is more tropical, and our Dune Grass, which is a little more uh, dank, um, piney IPA. So and some of your top accounts in New York. Where can I always get Barrier? Uh, Jimmy's 43. <laughs> um, any of the beerly legal bars, so like Fool's Gold, the Jeffrey, Alewife. Uh, we're on a Cooper, so like very heavy presence, Lower East Side, Midtown, Brooklyn, obviously. We're, we've got a nice presence in uh, South Brooklyn, Cobble Hill area. So you can always go to 61 Local, a good friend of, over there, always have us on, so... Well, it's great. I really want to thank everyone for coming on the show. Uh, a lot's going on. It, it, it's April, and uh, we're in New York City. So you, you can visiting us. Check us out always, Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Daniel, Tess, Rich, James, Mike, and Ned for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, who's a new dad with a beautiful little redhead, Cleo Love. And to our engineer, Jack Inge- Jack Inge- and Jeep tonight. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.